child's room and they're in their crib when they see their parents they always go like this pick me up mom pick me up pops right and in, in that way it's, it's a beautiful thing when someone can raise their hands in the sanctuary and they're saying Lord we praise you we lift up our hands to you we are submitted to you we are surrendered to you we are rejoicing in you right if you've ever been to a sporting event and you're, something amazing happens everybody's hands go up it, it's, it's a sign of great joy do you get up and head straight for the coffee maker Do you check certain things before going to bed at night? We all have our routines, the normal things we automatically do. These patterns give shape to our lives. Well, today, Pastor Daniel explains that praising God should be part of your normal, everyday moments. Whether you're singing, raising your hands, or sitting quietly, you can respond to who God is and all that He's done by worshiping Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Blessings. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, in these verses, you really see what fights against unity, what fights against it. The opposite, of course, is uh, lowliness, is pride. The opposite of gentleness, of course, is is arrogance or or abrasiveness. The opposite of uh, long-suffering is impatient. The, uh, The opposite of bearing with one another is trying to get rid of one another. And so all of these things are ways that we actively undermine unity if we're proud, if we're, if we're aggressive, if we're not patient with people, if we're not, if we're, if we're willing to discard people if we disagree with them. And, and, but if we choose lowliness and gentleness and long suffering, all like Jesus, we bear with one another just the way Jesus bears with us, then we can endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And this blessing of unity is so profound that it's actually, the psalmist used an analogy to point to what it looks like. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. So the first picture is that when the brethren dwell together in unity, it's as precious as the precious anointing oil that was only used to set apart the high priest. Like that, they're saying unity in the brethren is so precious that it's like this oil that was only used when the high priest was set apart and he was anointed. And of course, that oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of a person, they are not dividing, but they're seeking, how do I bring people together again? So I believe that we can always see when the Spirit of God is at work because we know the Spirit of God's job is to take what is Jesus and declare it to people. So the Spirit's job is to unite sinners with Jesus, with their Savior, with the Lord. And in the same way, on the horizontal level, with us and other people, you know the Spirit is at work when people are working to try and take what is divided and bring it back together again. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, this is what the psalm is saying, that unity in the people of God is as precious as the oil that was only used to anoint the new high priest. It was set apart for a specific purpose. That's a precious oil. 
Unity is precious in the eyes of the Lord. What else is this unity like? Notice this, and we, we might not think anything of this here in the Pacific Northwest. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, live life forevermore. Now it's a picture of dew. Now I know for us, we live in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest. Pastor Bill Ritchie, our, our founding pastor here at Crosses, when he invited me up, you know, we had been living, I was from New Jersey, but me and uh, my bride had been living in California where my bride was from. And he's like, listen, after you've been here for about 15 years, you'll end up getting webbed feet. You'll be fine with the rain. So the idea for us of like the dew of Hermon, you're like, what's, what's the big deal about some dew? We get 100 straight days of rain in the winter. What's going on with this? But listen, in Israel, it's, it's, it's a desert climate. It's an arid climate. And so in the midst of the summer months, Mount Hermon was the highest mountain there in Israel, and it was known for all the dew that would settle on at night. And in a, in a, in a dry climate, that dew is, is important because it moisturizes the land. And in the same way, that's how God sees unity. And he wants us, as his kids, to seek after unity with other believers. Does that mean you're going to be- agree with everybody on every point of doctrine? No. But if you agree on the big things, then we can choose as a family to discuss the other things and not demonize one another. You know, it's amazing. You know, I've seen a, a lot of that. Obviously, I realize, you know, like, like I have a, a big head of dreads. You see all those? You know, and, and there are some people, they, they go and they read First Corinthians chapter 11. And because it says that, you know, a man should, men should have their hair short, it also says that women should have their head covered. And then Paul says, it's not a rule. This is just my advice at the end of the chapter, which is classic, right? So, so he's like, listen, and part of that, the only place of the discussion of hair length is in the church of Corinth. Because if you read about what was going on in the city of Corinth, the women who worked as the temple prostitutes, every woman had their hair covered in that culture, except the temple prostitutes in Corinth. And the men only had, the, the temple priests in Corinth all had long hair. So Paul said in the church of Corinth, listen, you want to be distinct from what was going on in the, the pagan practices that they were used to, right? So then he, he's writing to them, and he's talking about this, because in their freedom in Christ, the men are like, listen, man, I, you know, I'd rather have long hair. The women are like, I don't want to cover my head. So Paul's advising them to make sure that they are separated out from their culture. And then he reminds them, listen, but we really don't have any rule. This is just my insight into it, right? But then people are like, man, Crossroads is bad because their pastor's got long hair. I'm like, listen, I'm the same. If I shaved my head, I'm still the same person. I still believe the same exact thing. I still preach the same exact thing. So, so how does my hair impact this? But peop, some people have chosen that this is a big thing. You know, it's funny. If you, if you look at the, the, the Crossroads Google reviews, the only reason we have bad Google reviews is because we're a big church, so we have cameras and lights, and the pastor's got long hair right now. The only reason why. So I'm like, okay, so we need lights because it's a big room, right? And I, I can cut my hair tomorrow. That's like, I'm still the exact same person. I have all the same issues right? Except I don't have great hair. But that would be a different discussion. But some people want to make that a dividing point. I think that that's silly, obviously, right? And and the thing is, is that that's just an example, but we can do this with people where somebody chooses to practice differently and we want to divide over it. But then I'm like, no, no, no. One of the blessings of being part of the children of God is that there's diversity within the children of God. And as long as the big things are the same, Jesus, the Bible, God's purposes and plans for humanity, who God is. As long as those things are there, I, can, I realize all of us are going to get a theology upgrade when we take our last breath. No matter how much, and I study the Bible every day, and I want to teach my own, and I want to go deeper in it, but I realize just as I'm growing in my understanding of who God is as I'm on this journey, when I take my last breath and, and I no longer see through a glass dimly, but I see face to face, 
at that point, I'm going to know way more about God than I know right now. And I'm going to get a theology upgrade. And so are you. So because of that, let's work for unity. And if you don't think that this is important to Jesus, you have to remember, Jesus actually prayed that the church would be unified. You don't believe me? John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23 says it this way. And the glory which you gave me, Jesus is speaking, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see what he's saying? That, that I want them to be one just as, just as Jesus is God in human form. God in Jesus, Jesus in us. He wants us together to, to, to have that, that unity, that oneness. And that's why, of course, we, we need to esteem others higher than ourselves. We need to be patient with one another because none of us are perfect. But where grace exists, there is the blessing of unity. And I believe that within the unity and diversity, because of the finished work of Jesus, of the church, we, there's so much that we can learn. One of the things I love so much about the people of God is that I learn from people who are older than me and younger than me. I learn from people who've been walking with Jesus longer than me, and I learn from people who've been walking with Jesus less time than I have, right? There are every nationality, all these different things. There's so much diversity, and we're all on a different step of our faith journey. But when we let God's grace cover all of that stuff, we get to walk in this preciousness and this blessing that God has for us. And listen, as a church, you'll notice as a church, we don't publicly talk about other churches. We don't, we don't come down, oh, this is why we don't like that church. And that. We don't do any of that stuff. And I want to encourage you as an individual member, of don't do any of that stuff. If you don't agree with somebody, unless you know them, and you can talk to them and say, hey, listen, I love you, but uh, you know, I'm taking the plank out of my own eye. Can we talk about the speck I see in your eye? We, just, we, have, you have, we have enough to handle in our own selves. Like, I got, enough, I got enough issues right here to worry about other pastors. We have enough things that God is doing at Crossroads to keep me abundantly busy. I'm not worried about other churches. But we live in a day and age now where everybody thinks that even though they don't go to church, that their job is to try and fix the church on social media or something. And I just think, what a colossal waste of the good energy God has given us. Because I'm here to tell you, unless you're in relationship, like, I'm here to tell you, you can't fix my family unless you're part of my family. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you can't affect change from the outside. Real change happens on the inside, right? And so when we're a part of a family, we need to make sure we devote our energy. Lord, how do I be an agent of unity? Like Jesus, in the midst of all these things that are going on. So the first blessing, of course, here is, is the blessing of unity. Now, as we move to Psalm 134, the last of these songs of ascent, and it... I, I love that this is the, the psalm. It's only three verses, but this is the last psalm that they would recite on these three pilgrim feasts. Look at what it says. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So we're going to talk about blessings. My friends, you and I, we need to bless the Lord. Like where we praise God, where we declare the goodness of God. And on this journey of life, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether it's something that we wanted or something we didn't want, whether things go the way we hoped that they would or completely the opposite, we need to learn how to bless the Lord in the midst of it. And we learn a lot about the heart or the the characteristics of the people who bless the Lord. Notice first, 
Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. See, the only reason someone does not want to bless the Lord is when they don't see themselves as a servant of the Lord. And for me, it was a huge step when I first came to know Jesus to understand why would I want to be a servant? Because we live in a culture that says, listen, like serve yourself. Like everyone's here for you. Like everyone exists for your pleasure. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see through the lens of the Holy Spirit, you see that unity is important. And you say, oh, I'm a servant of God. That like I have breath in my lungs because God has given it to me. I, there's these gifts and talents that I have and that I've been able to cultivate because God has entrusted them to me and God wants me not to use them for myself, but to use them for him. And so when you choose to serve the Lord, then obviously you'll bless the Lord because you're seeing your whole life and all that you are through the lens of the Lord. And so God wants us to, to be his servants because ultimately we are. In him we live and move and have our being. And the person who blesses the Lord, who's a servant of the Lord, who will stand by night in the house of the Lord. So when you're a servant of the Lord, you want to be in the midst of the people of God. Now, imagine this. In these pilgrim feasts, everybody would be going to the temple. They'd be going to the tabernacle. And they're not just there for like, man, gosh, I hope the, the priest goes fast and I hope the worship isn't too long. They want to be there. They're in the family house. They're excited about being there. And one of the ways God is blessed when we take our place as a fully engaged family member, it's one of the things that blows me away so much about our Crossroads family. And not only the Crossroads family that gathers together here in our campus in Vancouver, but for so many people who are joining us online, people who are picking us up on the radio, on television, they're picking us up on social media, that people are like, hey, how can I get involved? How can I be a part of this thing called church? Because they're like, listen, not only do I want to receive, but I want to be a part of it. God wants to use me and I want to step into it. I'm always so excited when I see somebody who gets excited about who the Lord is and what he's doing. And they're not just like, man, I'm in and I'm out. But they're like, no, I'm in and I'm going to hang out for a while. Do you ever have those situations where you meet somebody and you, and you figure, oh, yeah, we're just going to hang out for a little bit. But then you hang out for hours and you're like, where did the time go? Right? I remember before we had kids, I was able to do that a lot more because, you know, when you have kids, you have to run around and make sure, you know, the kids fall apart at a certain time. But, you know, it was amazing. I remember when, when my bride, Lynn, and I, when we first met, you know, we, we were supposed to spend a little time together. We ended up spending like five hours together. I'm like, and it felt like five seconds because you know it's where you want to be, where you're supposed to be. And the idea of the servants of the Lord, they, they want to be in the house of God. They want to see what God is up to. They want to be about their father's business. And not only that, they lift their hands in the sanctuary. Now, you know, I realize everybody worships differently, you know. But it's one of the reasons why at Crossroads people lift their hands. Because, you know, when you lift your hands, it's, it's, a, it's a sign of two things. One, it's a sign of surrender, right? It's like when someone lifts their hands. But it's also a sign of joy and comfort. Like when you go into a, a child's room and they're in their crib, when they see their parents, they always go like this. Saying like, hey, pick me up, mom. Pick me up, pops. Right? And in, in that way, it's, it's a beautiful thing when someone can raise their hands in the sanctuary and they're saying, Lord, we praise you. We lift up our hands to you. We are submitted to you. We are surrendered to you. We are rejoicing in you, right? If you've ever been to a sporting event and something amazing happens, everybody's hands go up. It, it's, it's a sign of great joy. And so I remember when I first started going to a church like Crossroads, when I first started walking with Jesus, and I remember walking in the sanctuary and, and people had their hands raised and I thought, what is up with those people? 
Like, what are they doing? I didn't even understand it. But then, like a week later, I went to a concert and everybody was, had their hands up and was cheering. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I mean, you could have joy in church because my experience of church was, you know, you'd go there and someone would sing and you just all stand there and just hope the song would end quick, you know? And, and so I didn't even know that you could have joy in worship. But one of the ways we bless the Lord is by making much of him, engaging ourselves in worship. This is why it says this in Psalm number uh, 96, verses uh, 7 to 10. It says it this way. Give to the Lord... O families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth and say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Oh, I love that. You know, we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Not our own holiness. We worship the Lord in the holiness of Jesus that has been given to us. We bring him an offering. Not only do we give him financial, you know, and, and our time and our talent, but we also, we also bring an offering of praise to the Lord. Like, like it's a sacrifice of praise. When you choose to stop and say, God, you're so good. And when we're singing together as a church family, you know, it was an amazing thing when I stopped just watching, watching the lyrics of the song and said, I'm actually going to try and worship God. And before you know it, it's like, I love worshiping the Lord. Why? Because he's worthy of praise. Right? We, we tremble before him. We realize we stand before the Lord. And so, so not only is one of the blessings of this journey is when God gives us that lens to see that we should work proactively to be unified with other people. Unity in diversity, not unity at all costs. But we also, one of the blessings is that we bless the Lord. We worship God. We make much of him. And I want to encourage you, as a church family, we want this place to be on fire with worship. And I'm not talking about like, you know, a bunch of emotionalism. Sometimes we have a lot of that in this day and age where, where people like, they're like shouting and crying. And all. Like, listen, some people are emotional and that's how they're going to worship. Some people are, are, are more stoic. But as long as your heart is inclined to the Lord and you're praising him, that's what we want. We want the people of God to make much of the Lord because it's one of the lenses through which we see the, the world in which we live in. And then notice how this psalm closes. Verse three, it says, the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. And I would say it this way, brothers and sisters, we need to let the Lord bless us. You need to let the Lord bless you because not only do we have the blessings of unity and we choose to bless the Lord, but the Lord is also desiring to bless us. And one of the things that has blown my mind the most as I've walked with Jesus for 20 years is God's capacity to bring blessings upon his kids. You know, there's an old saying that I've heard that you can't outgive God. I've learned that to be true because I, I want to bless others, and God's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to see your blessing, and I'm going to raise it by a lot. God, as we say, God, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to try and bless others. God's like, well, listen, I'm going to bless your socks off. Jesus said, you're more blessed to give than receive, and. I want to encourage you to live your life in such a way that God's blessings can rest upon your life. Because he desires to bless his people. All through the scriptures, the Lord's desire to bless people exists. Don't miss the fact. I mean, you read the, the, the creation account of Genesis chapter 1 and, and 2. Everything that God made, God says it's good. It's good. It's good. You know? And then he makes Adam on the, on the sixth day. And he says, it's very good. But then he notices it's not good that Adam is alone. So God blesses him with Eve, you know, and, and, and all of these things. All the way through, God's purpose is to bless people. 
But God's blessing only happens when people honor the Lord. And we find in the life of the children of Israel that although God desired to bless the children of Israel, if they rejected him, they were going to experience the fallout from rejecting him, which we see as curses. And so we want to live in such a way that the Lord can bless us. It's like what it says in Psalm 67, verses 1 to 4. It says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations of the earth. When I started reading Psalm 67, here at Crosses, you know that, that idea of the Lord God be merciful to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. We, we recite it as the benediction at the end of every gathering. That, that the priestly blessing of, of Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. But in Psalm 67, it's Lord bless us. So, so the people are real. As the priests would have prayed this blessing, as we pray this blessing over one another in the benediction, now it's, it's like, Lord, will you bless us and keep us? Will, will, will your smile shine upon us? Why do we want that? Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. When God blesses us, God's way becomes known on earth and, and salvation is among all the nations. And when that happens, what happens? Then the people praise God. Let all the peoples praise you. And all the nations are glad and they have joy because you know that God is judged, but you know his blessings because you know his son Jesus. So my friends, listen, as we bring this The Way Up series to a close, as we bring this time and this message to a close, listen, when you are a child of God and when you see life through the lens of the Holy Spirit, there are blessings that abound. Where you end up in relationship with people, you don't agree with everything, but you love them even despite your differences. You don't need to line up on everything to appreciate who they are because God has humbled you and God has chosen, called you to be patient. He's worked patience in your life and he's, because God has bared with you with all the crazy parts of your life, you bear with other people. And so you endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And because of that, you just bless the Lord. You're like, Lord, you are good. I want to worship you, God. And as you worship God, then you're like, Lord, I also want the blessings of your presence in my life. And when that happens, now all of a sudden our life is full of blessings because no matter what happens, God is still infinitely worthy to be praised. My friends, the way up is all about a life of praising God, blessing God, choosing to bless other people, even if you don't think that they deserve it, because that's exactly what God's done for us. So I want us, as we journey through this pilgrimage of life, just like the children of Israel would do these pilgrim feasts back to Jerusalem, as we journey on the pilgrimage of life, let's let our life be a life where we're blessing the Lord. We're walking in those blessings and we're choosing to bless other people. And when that happens, amazing things happen. Jesus is Pastor Daniel closed out today's message by reminding you that God wants you to view life through the lens of his blessing. Not only do you have the incredible opportunity to live in unity, something that seems increasingly rare right now, but you can also respond to God with worship. 
Then, because God has done so much for you, you can be a blessing to others. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVE to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Like the song goes, life is a highway. We're all on a journey up to the Lord. Today, Pastor Daniel wrapped up this series called The Way Up, all about the lessons God wanted his people to remember on their journey through life. From crying out to the Lord for help in hard times to the reality that your focus determines your direction, you learn that God is enough for whatever you face. Remembering who he is and what he's done and learning to live like his child will keep you steady through all of the ups and downs of life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Amen.